This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the tri-state area for Friday, December 15th, 2023. With Tri-State's Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. The marching band at Western Illinois University is engaged in a heavy competition that could earn it new musical equipment. Tri-State's Public Radio's Rich Egger explains. Metallica is a hugely successful heavy metal band, but for this contest, its music is being played in a different style. We're listening to the Marching Leathernecks performing Enter Sandman, one of Metallica's best-known hits. This was recorded during a football halftime show for Western's entry in the inaugural Metallica Marching Band Competition, For Whom the Band Tolls. WIU is going up against other small and mid-sized universities. An associate director of bands, Matt Thomas, says Western is one of five finalists in that division. Thomas believes Metallica's music transcribes well for marching band. Sometimes when... When certain pop music is too repetitive, it doesn't translate well without lyrics. But Metallica, their music has such a breadth of diversity and approaches and that sort of thing that it it actually lended pretty well to Marching Band. Thomas says there are two ways Western's video can earn a prize. One is by winning over a professional adjudication panel that includes marching band directors and the members of Metallica. The other category is fan favorite for whatever college band gets the most votes online. The voting continues until 11.59 p.m. on December 31st. People can visit MetallicaMarchingBand.com for details on how to vote for the Marching Leathernecks. Rich Egger reporting. The new head football coach at Western Illinois University says he was drawn to the job because of the program's tradition of excellence. The program has not won a game in more than two years, but Joe Davis says there have been excellent players, coaches, and teams at Western throughout the years, and he's looking to bring that back. I want guys who want to be a leatherneck, period, okay? And there are attributes to being a leatherneck that we are going to search for when it comes to recruiting high school students and when it uh, comes to recruiting the transfer portal. Davis also says he will be patient hiring a staff to ensure he selects coaches who are teachers and mentors. Davis comes to Macomb from Eastern Illinois University, which is in the same conference Western is joining. He was Eastern's offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. He replaces Myers Hendrickson, who was fired after those two consecutive winless seasons. The U.S. Supreme Court is leaving Illinois' assault weapons ban in place, rejecting an appeal that sought to have the new law declared unconstitutional. This is the second time the Supreme Court refused to intervene after two lower courts upheld the law. Illinois lawmakers passed the measure after the mass shooting at the Highland Park 4th of July parade in 2022 that killed seven people and wounded 48 others. 
The law prohibits the sale and possession of military-style semi-automatic firearms, such as the AR-15, which is what the gunmen in Highland Park used to fire 83 rounds into crowds of people in less than a minute. The head of a conservative law firm argued before the Iowa Supreme Court yesterday that the Democratic state auditor violated the public records law by refusing to release 11 email chains. Iowa Public Radio's Katerina Sestarik reports. Alan Ostergren of the Kirkwood Institute requested auditor's office emails with and about two reporters. He was seeking information about auditor Rob Sands' discredited claim that the governor improperly used COVID-19 funds for a public service announcement. A district court judge dismissed the case last year, saying the emails could be kept confidential because they're part of an audit or examination. Ostergren appealed that decision to the Iowa Supreme Court. He says Sand is making an extraordinary claim that he's exempt from the state's public records law. Which raises the question, who audits the auditor? You know, do we have in our law the state that the auditor is just above examination to make sure that he is discharging his duties correctly? Justice Dana Oxley says the court has to decide whether or not the emails were part of an audit to determine if Sand broke the law. I'm Katerina Sestarik, IPR News. In today's feature, Illinois State Police say they're using clear and present danger reporting differently than they did a year ago. Illinois Public Radio's Alex Degman talked with State Police Director Brendan Kelly, who believes this tool is stopping major tragedies before they happen. Director Kelly, thanks a lot for joining me. So bring me up to speed. What is clear and present danger reporting? Who submits these reports? When do they do it? And what generally happens when state police receive those reports? If a member of law enforcement, say a local police department, observes some type of conduct by someone who is homicidal, suicidal, they can then report that. If they have a recent firearms purchase history, if they have a firearms identification card and they are cleared in prison danger, they are revoked. And that revocation is reported back to the local law enforcement agency so they can make sure any firearms that individual has are placed within the proper custody. And these are the type of circumstances and the events leading up to those tragedies. And this clear and present danger tool is showing to be a very effective means of intervention and trying to prevent those type of tragedies. All right, so it sounds like the process has been around for a while, but now you're making more of an effort to use it to take guns away from folks in those situations and keep them from buying any in the future. How many of these reports have you gotten so far this year? The number of clear and present danger reports over the past year was about 10,000. About 4,000 of those are people that had FOID cards. And so a good number of the people that are coming through the clear and present danger reporting process are people that don't even have a Ford card. So we now hold those records. And when someone later comes to apply for the Ford card, we're able to stop them from doing so. That other 4,000 or so, those are people that had Ford cards. We do that revocation, and then we report it back to local law enforcement. And we'll either work it up with them and go get the firearms and make sure they're properly disposed of, or local, local law enforcement is taking a much bigger and more active role in doing that. Now, in all those cases, there have to be examples of a situation that could have gotten very bad very quickly. Are there any of those that you're willing to share? There's plenty of examples. Uh, A young person threatening to kill his grandparents. School administrators reporting to the Illinois State Police. A student uh, making threats to his fellow students and then making sure that clear and present danger is filed in that person's background so they can't have a firearm in the future. But also then working with the parents, going out to their house and making sure that that child doesn't have access to the adult's firearms. Local law enforcement is using it more. We'd like to see medical professionals use it more. School administrators are now using it pretty routinely, and it does make a difference. 
Have you gotten any pushback from this? Are there any folks expressing constitutional concerns to you? This is circumstances where people say, yes, obviously, this person is dangerous. They're homicidal, they're suicidal. They should not have access to firearms. And in the event some of those reports turn out to be wrong, we have some very strong due process in place. We have a records appeal process. We have a, a firearms identification review board now that did not exist a couple of years ago. I don't think there's been any time in the history of the United States where if someone was trying to kill someone or they're going to try to kill themselves or they're doing something that shows that they're, they're clearly present danger to everyone around them, that we should not be able to take those firearms and be able to properly dispose of them in a way that prevents someone from being a threat to others. The increased use of these clear and present danger reports came around shortly after the mass shooting in Highland Park last year. A report like that had been filed against the alleged shooter. Now, do you think that these rules that are in place now would have prevented that tragedy? I think it's unclear, and I think it's very difficult to be able to say that that's the case. And, and you know, you hope when you look back that maybe there's some lesson learned there that uh, some sort of process could have been in place to, to make a change. But we know that this tool is working now. It's having a real impact in, in real circumstances. I think we have an obligation to do everything we can to take every lesson we may have learned, even, even if it's speculative and even if it might be a bit of a reach. Let's see what we can do, and, and let's try as hard as we can. That was Illinois State Police Director Brendan Kelly speaking with Illinois Public Radio's Alex Degman. In the weather for our listening area for today, it should be mostly cloudy with a high in the mid-50s, and we expect southeasterly winds at 5 to 10 miles an hour. For tonight, rain is likely mainly after 1 in the morning. The low should be in the low 40s with southeast winds around 10 miles an hour. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.